Now, I was asked, could I talk on the transfiguration? And to fully understand the transfiguration, I'm sure you will realise as we go through it, that we've had to do quite a bit of digging, which I really enjoy. The first thing to say about the transfiguration is that it is a miracle. And it's an unusual miracle. Because it's a miracle that's actually about Jesus himself. Normally, all the other miracles in the, Old, in the New Testament um, are all about what Jesus does to other people and things. So he made the water into wine, or he healed the blind man, or the lame man was able to walk properly, or whatever. But this one was about Jesus himself. The second thing to note is that this is a scene from heaven. This is a heavenly scene. And that starts to give us a few clues about what is really going on in this little bit of passage. Because it's, it's actually quite a compact little bit of passage. On the surface, it's very easy to see that this is, uh, has been done for the disciples... It's been done so that we can see who Christ really is, who Jesus really, really is. He is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is God. And we're told that in the voice when God says, listen to him, he's my son. I love him. But there's a lot more going on. First of all, we need to have a look at Moses. Now, Moses represents the law. So in the Old Testament that underpins the New Testament, we've got the law and the prophets. And Moses represents the law. But how did Moses leave this earth when it was time for him to leave this earth? Yeah? Moses... At the end of Deuteronomy, we know that God had told him earlier in his life because he got into trouble, he sinned. God told him that he wouldn't go into the promised land. And at the end of Deuteronomy, the nation of Israel is just about to go over and start conquering Canaan or Israel as we now know it. But Moses wasn't allowed to go with them. And he died. And we're told that God buried him somewhere. We're told the area. That's all we're told. We don't know where Moses was buried. Because God buried him. The interesting thing here is that at the end of time, and the Bible, the New Testament, tends to refer to those who have fallen asleep, to people who have died as being resurrected when Jesus comes back. He will resurrect them again. They will come alive again in the new heaven and the new earth. They will be resurrected. That's, for a lot of us probably, what we're looking forward to. I hope it is. It's what we've got to look forward to. 
And then we have Elijah. Now, Elijah had a very dramatic entrance. He represents the prophets, the, New the Old Testament prophets. That's his part of underlying the New Testament. And he came in the Old Testament and he got up to various things. He uh, was quite a fiery figure and certainly uh, represented the Lord on earth. But at the end of his life, something quite interesting happens. If we go to 2 Kings 2, for those of you who like to follow in the Bible, we find that he is taken from the earth. Um, he's walking along, talking to Elisha, and all of a sudden, there's a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and took him off into heaven. And what does that remind us of? That reminds us of the rapture that's going to happen at the end of time. So for those people who are still alive on earth, when Christ comes, they're going to be raptured. Or those that are in Christ anyway, they're going to be raptured. So we've got Moses who died and was buried, who's here talking to Christ, resurrected. We then have Elijah, who again was raptured and taken up to heaven with Christ, talking to Christ in this heavenly scene. But I want to talk about one more person before we start to think what all of this means. And I want to talk about Elisha. And Elisha, of course, was Elijah's successor. And we have a look at the build-up to Elijah going. Because Elisha knew that his master was going to be taken. He knew he wasn't going to die in the normal way that his master was going to be taken. And so at the beginning of the chapter, we see here where Elijah says to Elisha, uh, the Lord has sent me to Gilgal, and, um, well, actually they're on their way from Gilgal, sorry. And, he sa and Elijah says to Elisha, the Lord sent me to Bethel. Stay here, stay here. But Elisha wouldn't stay. And he says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And at Bethel, the company of the prophets come out to speak to Elisha and they say, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And he says, yes, I know, Elisha replies. So be quiet. And Elisha followed Elijah to Bethel. And this happens three times. First of all, 
He goes from Bethel to Jericho, and then from Jericho to the Gore Jordan. He follows his master. <coughs> and again, the company of prophets come out and tell him, you do know he's going to be taken today, don't you? And Elijah said, and Elijah said yes, be quiet, and follows his master. And eventually, at about verse 9, Elijah gives up and says, Okay, what do you want? What can I do for you? And so, Elisha says, I'd like a double portion of your spirit, please, when you go. And that's what happens. When, he, when Elijah is taken into heaven, Elisha gets a double portion of his spirit. Now, I wonder if that reminds you of anybody in the transfiguration scene. It reminded me of Peter. Because Peter was the opposite. When Christ was arrested and dragged off to be crucified, Peter denied him three times. So here we have Elisha who won't leave his master, won't leave at all his master, and Peter, who was witnessing this scene, who denied Jesus three times. They're almost like a mirror of each other. We have to be very careful here in saying, well, we've got the good disciple and the bad disciple. Because there may have been very good reasons why Peter had a problem trusting Jesus. And there are today people who have real problems with being able to relate and trust to Jesus and and to God the Father. They may have had a very abusive uh, relationship with their, 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 their human father, their biological father. They may have been abused by other people. There may be real, real reasons why they, people have a problem relating to both Jesus the Son and God the Father. And Peter, we don't know. There may have been things in his history that made it difficult for him. And so we have to be a little bit careful here to draw a real black and white line. But there does appear to be this almost opposites here. So Elijah goes off into heaven. Elisha gets his double portion of the spirit. And he goes on and does all the fiery things that he does. But Peter, because Peter does eventually reconcile with Jesus once he's been resurrected... Peter, of course, was there at the Pentecost and he was baptised with the Holy Spirit. So he also got quite a good dollop of the Spirit. He got given the Holy Spirit. He was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Peter was the rock. He was one of the people, the founding fathers, that basically 
launched the church. And then we have this cloud, this cloud that comes down and blocks them out. It's this kind of opaqueness, blocks them out. And then we have Jesus appearing back in, in his normal earthly form as a, a normal man. And for me, that almost signifies that for, um, for us today, in fact, for most of the time, the real divinity of Christ, the real glory of Christ is hidden to us. And if we're not careful, we miss it. We miss who Christ really is. It also hints to another problem, a really, really big problem. And that is that Peter wasn't perfect. He did deny Christ three times. They did get things wrong. And they didn't always see that divinity of Christ. Christ was about in order to make it possible for people to be resurrected from the dead and to be raptured if they were still alive on earth. He had to do some very serious work to enable that to take place. He had to go to the cross. And the cross has its own symbolism. Because if we think of the wooden cross, and we think, well, where does wood come from? Anyone? Where does wood come from? Trees. Trees. And where did the original sin come from? The fruit on the trees. So this cross is almost going back to that tree back in the Garden of Eden. And Christ went on that cross and dealt with that sin once and for all. They no longer, although he didn't come to obliterate the law, he came to complement the law. He came to complement the, the power of prophets. But he was the crowning glory of the prophets and the, and the law. You know, he was the final cherry on the cake or the final cog in the, in the wheel that made it all work together. Natasha, you've been talking about building the hospital. I'm sure that in buildings there is just some really essential parts that the whole thing holds together. And Jesus was that real essential part that held the whole thing together. So that we today can have a church and we can look forward whatever happens to us whether we die before Christ comes back or whether we're still here we can look forward to either the resurrection or the rapture whatever it is for us we don't know because we don't know when Christ comes back but the transfiguration can almost lift our eyes up to heaven and see what is in the future. I think often, sometimes we get so wrapped up in our everyday lives, in the minuendo of getting the shopping in and doing washing the clothes and going to work, and that we lose sight of what God really has in store for us. And today, I say, as we talk about the resurrection, lift your heads and see what Christ really has planned for you. 
that was made possible at the cross. like us now to to quieten down and I've just got some things for us to think about and if you're going to meditate on the one you might like to hold the other in your mind as well here on a mountain is Jesus revealed in glory. There on a hill outside Jerusalem is Jesus revealed in shame. In the transfiguration, his clothes are shining white. At the crucifixion, they have been stripped off and soldiers have gambled for them. Here, he is flanked by Moses and Elijah, two of Israel's greatest heroes. There, he is flanked by two brigands representing the level to which Israel has sunk in rebellion against God. At the transfiguration, a bright cloud overshadows the scene. At the crucifixion, darkness comes upon the land. Again at the transfiguration, Peter blurts out how wonderful it, is, it all is. At the crucifixion, he is hiding in shame after denying he even knows Jesus. At the transfiguration, a voice from God himself declares that this is his wonderful son. At the crucifixion, a pagan soldier declares in surprise that this really was God's son. Lord, Help us to see the future, not in the way that perhaps the zodiacs and the thing and zodiacs encourage us to, but Lord, to see the future through your eyes, to see the glorious future that we, your children, can enjoy.
help us to come to you and to give you our sin. Lord, we ask today that you deal with our sin. Help us to reach out to those around us, to reach out to this area in Milford and Godalming and Guildford, to reach out to those who are hurting, who are in pain, who have mental health problems, who are suffering all kinds of man-made problems. And Lord, we know that at the heart of these problems is this issue of sin. And Lord, as we start to approach Easter, we ask that you help us to recognise and to become aware of sin. It's not very fashionable in today's society, but it's a very real problem. And we ask that you help us to deal with that sin, to give it to you, to confess it, to bring it to the foot of the cross and to leave it there, Lord. Help us to forgive ourselves and to forgive those who've hurt us through sin, Lord, where we've been hurt, we've been damaged. We hold a grudge against people. Help us to put all of that down, Lord, at the foot of the cross and say, can we start again, Lord? Can we have a fresh start? Can we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, a place where there won't be any crying or suffering or sin, where there won't be any mental health issues or problems, Lord. And we just praise you this, Lord. Amen. Amen. Do you want me to introduce the song? Sorry. And we're going to sing um, a song now that, that I thought would really um, be appropriate now, and that's uh, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe. Because he did. He came from heaven as a helpless babe to take care of our sins. 